Hello, everyone. My name is Michael Williams. And I'm Tom Harrison. Welcome to Your Voice Matters. Hey, everyone. You know, Michael and I were speaking recently about everything that's happening right now. And many of you may have heard our last podcast, and you may notice that we've changed the name of the podcast. Our podcast before was called Speaking Covidly, obviously because of this era of COVID that we're still in, of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. And it dawned on us because of everything that's happening now uh, with the Black Lives Matter movement, which has gotten louder and more present because of the horrific killings happening out there, right, which have been happening. And we're realizing, you know, what's going on in so many ways that is inspiring, even though there's tragedy that brought on this inspiration. What's inspiring is it looks like change might be afoot this time. It looks like some real change might be coming out of this, out of this outpouring and this response. And on one level, it just looks like a lot of people noticing that their voice matters. Exactly. Uh, Tom, we're seeing lots of people who are coming to the realization that their voice really does matter. And in fact, you articulated this extremely well earlier when we talked about <laughs> how your vote matters, your voice matters, and your vote matters, and your vote is really your voice. And how, you know, not to get too political, but just how, uh, you know, by not voting, by not sharing and using your voice, um, we can find ourselves in a situation where we're in an environment that's very toxic, um, where, in fact, I was just reading an article today where, you know, the numbers are trending downward in terms of people who are proud to be Americans. Mm. <laughs> and you and I kind of talked about this. So, yeah, so we decided that we wanted to, to kind of shift the focus of this a little bit to something that was, uh, addressing an issue that is relevant, that's present, but also empowering. Um, we understand that people have things to say that uh, can inspire, that can impact, encourage, that can literally change the course of history. And they might feel like their voice doesn't matter. And so we want them to know that their voice does matter. And we want to provide, you know, um, in some cases, a, a roadmap to help them get to the place where they are like, utilizing their voice, where they feel empowered to speak up and speak out. So, yeah. For me, as an older white male, just realizing, wow, my voice really does matter in terms of, first, my inner voice. <laughs> like, how can I be more proactive and more more sensitive on one level, but also more proactive and actually really trying to make a positive difference mm-hmm. and certainly with other white people where I can at least, you know, together <laughs> we can become more educated in this arena. And just, I think I've been realizing more and more myself lately that I can't escape the fact, and I mentioned it in our last podcast and speaking covertly, 
that uh, I can't escape the fact that I'm racist on some level. It's just because it's been so baked in to my identity. And what I can say is I was much more racist before. Doesn't sound very good. Doesn't feel great to say that. You're like, oh, good. I'm just, I'm just less racist. That doesn't feel great. <laughs> but, but at least I know that, you know, I know the difference, right? I know how there was a time in my life where even though I think it would have been fair to say I was blind to it, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I came to a point where I recognized it. And even though I still didn't fully recognize it, I recognized it enough to make some big changes. Make some really big changes in my life, which put me on a much better course. And now I'm realizing on a much deeper level that there's so much more I need to do. And it has to do with my voice because it's not going to happen if I don't speak up. And so that's right. So we recognize ourselves how much we can make a difference or potentially can make a difference. Yeah. Here, you know, when you said that, I thought of a very, very specific example. and And I'll relate this to hopefully what is becoming a new policing policy, which is if you are an officer and you see another officer doing something that's inappropriate, excessive use of force, whatever, that you will say something and then you'll actually step in and do something. So hopefully that mm-hmm. becomes um, an, an action that's rewarded and that is uh, encouraged. Now, I want to relate that, though, to a specific experience that I had a year or two ago, I was sitting at a restaurant and I was sitting at the bar, you know, to get uh, a nice little glass of wine and, and maybe some pizza or something. Not too far from where I live in Florida here on the Tampa Bay area. And the bartender was a, you know, a young white lady. She looked at me barely and she just kept walking back and forth, never asking me, never acknowledging. And I was, you know, waiting patiently. I thought, okay, well maybe she's busy. And so then this gentleman comes, a white gentleman comes and sits next to me. Now I'm I had already been sitting there maybe ten minutes or so. Yeah. Minimally five minutes since so it felt like a long time. So I'm just sitting there and she's walking around like serving everyone else. I'm like, okay, well, they, you know, they were here before me, so okay, I'll just wait, and then I'll, you know, I'll raise my hand if I have to. Well, this gentleman comes in, he sits down, like directly next to me, and then she goes up to him, gives him, and hi, sir, um, how can I help you? Right now, he's he sat there for a few minutes before she got to him, but not that long. So she literally overlooked me, went to him, and and he immediately looked at me and said, oh, what was that all about? He's like, oh, I saw that. How she just walked back and forth, never acknowledged you, but then she came over and asked me what I wanted. So the example that I want to put, that I want to put forward here is, and I don't know that I would have necessarily done this if I were in his place, but when you're talking about using your voice, that might have been a great place mm-hmm. for him to actually say something to her mm-hmm. or say something to the manager on my behalf. Now, I said something to the manager. I went and said, you know, hey, I don't like to use, I don't like to use the race car. I don't like to pull that or anything like that. But this is what happened. The gentleman sat next to me. He even saw it clear as day. Uh, something needs to be done about it. So he 
that would have been a great place. And I'm, again, I'm not faulting him. I don't know that I would have done that either, but that's an example of when we see something like that happening, we need to step up and say, Hey, this isn't right. This is clear. You know, I'm, I'm looking at this happen. Uh, we need to do better. You know, it's so interesting, Mike, that you use the word gentleman. I'm writing something now and I'm debating, do I want to, you know, what do I want to do with this? But I feel like I've got to move forward with it and excuse my language. But the title I've come up with is fuck being a gentleman. And the reason is because I grew up with this concept of the gentleman was someone who treats everyone in a gentle, really kind and considerate way. They're, what are they? They're nice. And we hear a lot about that now, about how being nice, I mean, hey, it beats the heck out of not being nice, and it's a good thing, but if it's just being nice and not taking action or going that next step, particularly in that example you just gave, he was aware, right? He was, in a sense, being, you could say, he was kind of being nice to acknowledge you in the way that he Mm -hmm. did. He acknowledged to you that, oh, I saw that, I got that, man, you know, that's not right. But that's being nice. That's being the gentleman. All of these things were like, wow, wait a minute. I grew up in this, like, this fraternity I was in, et cetera, all this emphasis on being a gentleman. And I started realizing all the baggage that is in that identity of, at least where I grew up in Virginia, the Virginia gentleman was basically, you might as well say, the white racist. Because mm-hmm. that's really what I was being trained to be is a white, nice white racist, otherwise known as a gentleman in my culture and where I grew up in. I could see the same thing happening, for example, in my, mm-hmm. in my experience, where I might be the guy, oh, yeah, nodding or whatever, but not doing anything about it. And when things happen, it's just like, what are we supposed to do? But the answer is really right in front of us oftentimes, right? Like in mm-hmm. that case, like you don't fault the guy. A lot of us exactly. don't do these things. But, right. but the reality is so often the answer is right in front of us. And if we realize our voice matters, so if we actually consciously think about that, my voice matters in the moment, mm-hmm. maybe we'd say something different. That's a, that's a really good point. I like that. That's, yeah, I like that. I like that. Um, if you just <laughs> consciously, if, if we can be more aware that, hey, you know, this is an opportunity here. My voice matters. I'm going to speak up and say something. And that's on both of our parts. If I, as a, as a, a black man, see something happening that's just, you know, not right. It's happening right in front of me. Um, you know, it behooves me to actually speak up and say, Hey, just, you know, we can do better than this. If we can treat people better or we can, we can listen to what they have to say or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned something in our last conversation about you know, just being a model, right? And which, by the way, just happens to be kind of at the core of your work is modeling, right? Being a model. And I, I really take this on, I think, again, from my perspective, it's, it's really important that I do more, and it's kind of what I was speaking to you earlier, that I more consciously find ways to be a better model even though I'm still, you know, I'm prone to my patterns, I want to overcome them. I want to overcome those patterns. And there would have been a time 
I'm, there were definitely would have been a time that if somebody had challenged me, I would have said I wasn't racist. Um, <laughs> I'm sure I did say that many times when I was blatant, probably in the process of being blatantly racist, right? And I'm saying, I'm not racist. And, and at least I get that now, but I'm sure there's times when I'm not getting it, when I'm still blind to it. But that doesn't keep me from doing the best I can to, to model the behavior I want to see from other people, especially when people really feel it and they want to make mm-hmm. a change and we don't do anything. Like we were talking about the voting earlier, right? It's like, mm-hmm. well, that's great if you, if you want somebody else in power, but if you don't actually vote, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said a few things, and I've kind of forgotten what I wanted to say about them, but one of them, you're talking about being a model, and what came to mind for me was, okay, well, here's one of the things I wanted to say. It's kind of related to what you said, but it's definitely related to our work. And you just talked about being aware. Really, a lot of this boils down to um, the foundation of our work, which is habit. Habit, another word for habit, is patterns. So we you know, often may not think that we have certain beliefs or we see things a certain way or we act in certain ways because it's automatic. It's habitual. It's a pattern. The same thing with racism and bigotry and discrimination. It's a pattern. It's a habit. And so one of the first steps is to just be aware that it's there before you can even do anything. you got to be aware that it's there. Then, once you're aware, then you start to observe. And, and sometimes we need other people to reflect back to us when we're doing it because something that we do all the time, we don't even know that we're doing. So other people have to say, hey, that was this or that was that. And what? Really? I didn't even know I was doing that. Right? So that's where the conversation comes in and the listening and the willingness to be aware and to listen. So then now we become aware. Now we start observing our behaviors. We start listening when other people reflect back to us. Then we start taking constructive action to replace those current patterns or habits and these, these thinking patterns, self-talk things that we say to ourselves, beliefs that we have, um, and, and actions that we take, right? Then we say, okay, how do I want to act? This is where the modeling comes. How would I like to act? How would I like to be? How would I like to think? And then we start systematically, consistently replacing those old habits, those old patterns with new ones. And that's true with speech, right? Changing our speaking patterns is true with any behavior, uh, thoughts. And it's also true with racism, right? Same process. Yeah, and I think it's really helpful to see it for that. It is patterns. So whatever our behaviors are, racist or in any other area of experience, whatever we're acting out, however we're behaving, is some pattern, coming out of some pattern, some habit. Mm-hmm. And on one level, hopefully, by realizing that, hopefully it can, it can remove some of the charge because what we know and what I've come to learn as a white man is, you know, white people, and I'm going to make this as, this is a generalization, 
but it's, I think it's <laughs> certainly true for most of the people I've met, is we're really good at believing we're not racist. Um, when there's all kinds of evidence to the contrary. And a big part of that is because we don't un really understand what it means. We're not a person of color. So again, I'll, I'll never really understand it, but at least I can say without really having a charge about it now. I mean, I do have somewhat of a charge. It doesn't feel good to say, to admit I'm a racist, but I don't run away from it anymore. I know that I want to improve that. I, I know I want to learn more. I know I want to become a better person. I know I want to treat everyone the same. You know, I've, I use the term a lot of oneness. And yet, I realize how that term of oneness, it means all-inclusive, but it's, it's kind of easy. It's a lot easier to talk about oneness, for example, if you're, if you're not talking about race and things, because you start realizing, you start talking about the actual divides in society racially. Mm -hmm. It's like, hold on. It's a lot easier for white people to talk about oneness. So mm -hmm. it's just a lot, it's, a, it's an ongoing learning experience. And the more we can realize that it's just patterns from our conditions, our conditioning, the way we grew up, the people we hang out with, et cetera, it can be really helpful mm -hmm. to just not make it, not make it personal, right? In a way it is personal, because we own it, but not let it define us, right? Realizing we can redefine ourselves. I think it's super important. So I just, I just really appreciate that. I think it's something we can all learn from and hopefully be open to, and I hope I'll be able to be open to this, is open to fresh perspectives, open to, I don't know if this is the right word, uh, criticism. None of us like to be judged, right? And oftentimes criticism can be seen as judgment. But, mm -hmm. I, but hopefully what we can demonstrate is it doesn't have to be that way, right? We can, we can help each other see different perspectives or invite people to see different perspectives without it being judgmental in that sense. Exactly. I try not to use the word criticism, although it's, it's a legitimate word, but I prefer to use the word constructive feedback. And the mm -hmm. difference is, um, if, if we go back and do a little research on this word criticism, it in part has to do with with cutting, crit, right, <laughs> to criticize is to cut. Um, and again, it's a legitimate word, not a bad word. Um, it, sometimes it feels bad, but it's not really a bad word. But we can also replace that with constructive feedback, which says, here's what happened. We're just describing, here's what happened, here's what the current situation is, here's where I'm at now. Um, and what can I do differently? What can I do better the next time? So it, while it does look back a little bit to describe what happened, it also looks forward. That's where the constructiveness comes in, in a sense. We're also looking forward to say, you know, what can I do better? As opposed to the tearing down and the cutting apart of, you're this, you're that way, and why are you this way? And you <laughs> just... Tearing it down, tearing it down, tearing it down, right? It's okay to look at what's, what's actually happening, but what's even better is to look at what's happening and to look at, now, what can we do better the next time? What can we do better going forward? On one level, feedback is 
it's kind of like asking a question. So is this what you're saying? Is this what I'm hearing? I think that's an important part of feedback is it requires real listening. Criticism doesn't require listening at all. And often <laughs> this is where it gets in trouble, right? We can easily criticize people and like, didn't hear a damn thing they said. <laughs> right. But, okay. Yeah, I appreciate that. I think that's, that's good stuff. And this, hopefully what we're doing here is painting kind of a picture of how we'll move forward with this kind of new iteration of the podcast. In many ways, it's, we're going to talk about the same things we would talk about anyway, right? We're, we'll, we'll address purpose and meaning and what matters. And what we've both come to realize is you can have purpose, you can have meaning, you can know what matters in your life, but if you're not voicing it, right? Mm-hmm. And we see that so clearly right now. You can have all of that, but if you don't voice it, you might not be making the kind of change that you're here to make in the world. Exactly. And we're going to talk about that on a micro level and a macro level, meaning your voice matters in that meeting that you're going to have tomorrow, right? If you're in that meeting and you have an opinion, you have a thought, an idea, and you want to share it, your voice matters. Your voice matters in your relationships. Sometimes you need to speak up to defend yourself or to just explain your perspective or whatever. So we're going to be talking about that on a micro level. Uh, and some people, this is my area of expertise, some people have trouble articulating their thoughts, explaining things, so forth and so on. Because, you know, just speech anxiety or whether they rush or when they speak, people don't listen to them. People don't seemingly don't respect them or respect what they have to say, so forth and so on. We'll talk about that. And then we'll go all the way up to the macro level. We were talking about how your voice can matter in big ways as well. Um, maybe speak to that a little bit, Tom, how, how a person's voice can matter in, in a, a macro level, on a big, big level. Yeah, and I think it's interesting because sometimes the big level is directly connected to the little level, right? Like we talked about before, sometimes we need the mini habits and the micro habits and the itsy bitsy teeny wee <laughs> habits like we talked about in the past to get to where we're doing something that makes a bigger difference, right? So it's all connected. And so, yeah, looking at that more directly connected with my work, which is called Walk Your Why, is just being on purpose, right? So when, when, we, when we know we're on purpose, then then hopefully what we get out of that is we know our voice matters, right? Because if we really, if we're really connected with something important in our lives, whether, whether we feel like we're connected with kind of that one purpose, that one thing we must do, or if we're not quite, we don't feel that yet, we don't feel that calling completely yet, but we just want to do something that makes a difference, your voice clearly matters in that sense. So that's right. where we can, like you said, it can be anything from, Hey, I just, I, you know, I just need to speak up in this meeting because there's a, you know, there's something that needs to be addressed that's not being addressed, and I can bring it up. Exactly. And then, but, but it could very well be that the outcome of that meeting sets you on the course of your purpose. Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Good. So I want to encourage you guys who are listening to this to invite your friends and family and colleagues to listen because we're going to be covering all the stuff that we just talked about and more. And there may be some opportunities where we might have some guests. Um, we may be doing some of these as, as a video podcast. Of course, you'll be able to listen to the audio as well, but 
You may be also doing some videos, so I'd love for you to tune into that as well, right? Yeah, looking forward to all different formats. <laughs> we might even be doing some dance, some dance and uh, stuff like that. I'm just playing. <laughs> 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 all right, man. So we will we'll catch everyone the next time. Awesome. Take care, everyone. Yeah, brother. We'll see you all later. Bye. Hey, everyone. So if you want to learn about what I'm up to, if you'd like to learn about being on purpose, check me out. I'm Tom Harrison, T-H-O-M Harrison. You can find me at walkyourwhy.com. All about being yourself, living your vision, and what I like to call loving the world with your work. Thanks, Tom. And I am Michael Williams, and I want to help you say what you want to say smoothly, clearly, and confidently so that when you speak, people listen. They want to listen. And you can check me out at thesmoothspeechsystem.com. We'll see you there. Take care.